Hello and you're very welcome to the AA Ireland podcast. I'm Anna Cullen. And I'm Paddy Common. This episode will be of interest to those of you who are learning to drive. We do know that learning to drive is a daunting experience for many people, so we want to ease any fears that you might have. We will get expert advice for those who are starting out on this journey. Did you know car insurance with the AA comes with many features and added benefits, such as a limited windscreen cover, as well as fire and theft and no claims bonus protection. The AA compares Ireland's top insurers to get you the best value for money, putting your mind at ease. To find out more, go to theaa.ie. AA Ireland Limited Trading as AA Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We know that learner drivers must be accompanied by a qualified driver at all times. However, recent stats show that around 5,755 penalty point notices were issued to unaccompanied learner drivers in 2021. That marks a 35% rise on 2020. Well, learner and novice drivers are subject to a lower penalty point threshold than ordinary drivers. If they accumulate seven points in a three year period, they will face disqualification for six months. If learner drivers drive unaccompanied, they face two penalty points, an 80 euro fine and their car will be seized and impounded. So and it's a long time since I went through the process of learning to drive, and but I do remember it being quite daunting. You've gone through it more recently. So I think it was probably fitting that you spoke to Kevin Horgan, who's the director of training at Ladybird Driving School. So let's have a listen to that now. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me today on the AA Ireland podcast. You're, You're very welcome. welcome. Welcome, Anna. Thanks very much. We'll start off if you want to explain what exactly you do and a bit about Ladybird Driving School. Yeah, so Ladybird Driving School is uh, Ireland's all-female instructor driving school. And we established it thir- three years ago. And to date, we've got over 65 uh, instructors uh, moving towards 100 um, around the country. Um, and the idea of it was to give you know females flexibility um, back into the workplace, be self-employed, be their own boss, but still give a good product and a good service of the standard of tuition. Yeah. Um, I am the director of training, so I'm responsible for all the training that goes on for for all of the instructors. Um, it, the book stops with me when it comes to their level, um, and I'd like to think that we're doing a good job from the standard that we were setting and uh, the pace that we're moving at. Um, and as you can see, I think in February we had 132 passes in the month of February 2022 this year, um, and that's reflected in from uh, the training that they're getting from from the start. So standards is very important to us at Ladybird. You mentioned there about your 132 pass rate. We had a question on our social media of if you look at a learner car and it says, you know, 90% pass rate or 70% pass rate. Is that how you determine those figures? Is that where you get them from? It's a very good question because a lot of the schools may elevate them figures to suit themselves right but where's the proof of that where's the verification yeah i think that's what the question was yeah Yeah. so there's no way to to verify it of course if you have two tests and two passes you're going to have 100 percent pass rate so it depends on the volume it depends on the the test center information around the country will give you a different figure than 90 percent or seven because the test centers are quite low around the country i think the lowest is one of the lowest would be rahini I think Tala is 54%. So they're in the 50, 60% most of the test centers around. The individual schools from maybe a sales and marketing 
trying to impress the public. We've got a 90 odd percent pass rate. Well, okay. So how do you how do you come to that figure? So that's what you've got to ask on that. And can you ask, you can ask straight out, can you, if you're going? Yeah, well, you see, uh, you can ask that, but would you understand it? You know, some of them, some of the people would be ringing up and they say, so what's your pass rate? So you could say anything, but you've got to prove that you've got them figures and you can base that on verification. That's why we, uh, on our posts, we're able to prove because they're verified because there's 132 pictures went up throughout the course of February that proves our pass rate. So someone's coming to you, they've passed their theory tests they, or they may have booked the test and they're waiting on it. They want to start their lessons. They're scared. What is the advice? Do you recommend that they go for one lesson to start off or do they buy in bulk? What's the advice there? So the first thing that the public have to, to get used to and think about is the number of lessons that's required. And people become obtuse with, with 12 lessons. And they think that that's a figure that they've got to achieve to pass the test. When in actual fact, that's a beginner course, right? So we get people coming in and the pandemic has has played a big part in this because people lost their jobs, they gave their car back, they gave their insurance, they stopped driving, they weren't allowed to drive, we weren't allowed to teach. And what has happened now and resumed is that people are getting their test dates, having not driven or driven very little. And the standard that's arriving for the test now is really poor. Not for any other reason, except they couldn't get, they couldn't improve. They couldn't, you know, improve their level because of all the restrictions and so on. So that's the phase we're at at the moment. But somebody starting off has to, first of all, understand that the 12 lessons is just a basic beginner course. You're not going to pass a test with just 12 hours. You need support lessons in between. You need filler lessons. In, in fact, the statistics on um, somebody passing a test is about 40 to 45 hours on the road. So that's 12 hours, the RSA suggests, and then filler or support lessons in between, either with a, a parent or a sponsor or, or a friend or a colleague or whatever. But the reality is that is that, that sometimes more or less doesn't happen just logistically. Some people can't afford the car, can't afford insurance, can't get a sponsor. So they're left thinking that I'll do the 12 and I'll still be at a good level. But a lot of people don't realize that you don't just have to do the 12 lessons. You can do support lessons, filler lessons, and the instructor can be your sponsor as well. So you're not relying on somebody who says they would bring it and they won't. So you can do, some people start with us and they start with four or five lessons pre-EDT just to get themselves a good level, good good response. But I think that once once the, the public understand that they shouldn't, it's not that expensive in Ireland compared to, to European countries. Switzerland is the highest, I think it's about 3,800 to get your license, believe it or not. Germany is the sixth um, around 1500 to 3000 so we're well down when it comes to what we spend and what we're prepared to spend on on, on learning to drive and you know you're driving for 40 or 50 years you've got to be prepared to to spend a few bob even if it was 1500 it's nothing over the course of of 40 or 50 years when you're you, you're learning that skill for life and that's i know it's cliched but that's essentially what you're doing when you when you learn to drive so it'll be worth worth the money in the end so you're recommending doing a couple or doing four to five, make sure that the instructor is right for you. Correct. And, you know, make sure you're comfortable with everything before you do all your lessons. Yeah, well, you see, the the, the very, very first thing is you want to, first of all, look for when you're sourcing the, the school or the instructor, right? You need to find out a number of things. Are they from the area, 
right? Do what's their reputation like? What's their Google reviews like? Are they on Trustpilot? Are they've got have they got substantial review base online? Is the word good for them? Is there a particular instructor that sticks out? That's that's requested more. That's got more reviews. And when you find that, then then you're able to say, okay, I think. But what you should do is look at the one star reviews more importantly than the five stars, because if you the, the one stars are not shown, okay. They're shown at the, at the way at the bottom. So if you if you're going into Google and you type in reviews and you go to lowest rating, then you'll find out the real true value of what that company is giving, whether they're recent one star reviews, whether they're, they've got a hundred or two hundred one star reviews. That can give you good information as to where not to go. Okay. If you're looking for lessons, you know. I touched on it there about the importance of the right instructor. I mean, mm -hmm. when I was learning to drive, it was such a long process for me. I'd say I had about three or four different instructors, maybe five. They just didn't suit me. With some of them, I was really uncomfortable. With some of them, I was actually too nervous. And then I found the right one. And like it took, it, in no time, I had improved so much. And I would put that down to picking the right instructor for you and making sure that you're really comfortable and that you understand what they're saying to you. But had you done that in the beginning? Did you did you source the right school in the beginning or did you know what you were looking for when you were sourcing your initial instructor? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I knew what I was looking for. You know, I was still in school, well, like, you know, late teens, didn't really have any guidance. So you thought all instructors, Asher, it's an instructor, I thought they're I just all do, the same. They're all the same, yeah. I thought they're all the same. Totally. And, you know, some some instructors, I, like I'm teaching 30 years, right? So I've got that advantage, that experience to give to know how to, you know, we work with people with special needs as well, right? Parkinson's, polio, prosthetic limbs, you know, dyslexia. And you've got to know, you've got to be able to read how the mood of somebody, you know, like, and, and then lessons can be, you get somebody who's done a day's work and they're hungry after after work and they're in straight away for a lesson. They're, they're challenging because it's busy, they're hungry, can be a bit narky, a bit snappy, <laughs> right? But when you're, when you're sourcing uh, the instructor, that's what's happening. And that's why, if you could just commit to one lesson, first of all, with the school that you pick, and if you think that went well, well, then continue on and, and just do booking another lesson, you know. And if that goes well, or if you're not feeling uh, good, or you're not getting the service that you feel you should be getting, well, then change immediately. There won't be a problem with that. Yeah. And I, I know that now, at the time, I feel like there is pressure maybe to, or there is this illusion that you have to book in advance or else there you're not going to there might be long waiting lists you're not going to get your lessons unless you book 12 at that time but it is okay for people to just go for one lesson get the feeler of it and move on if it's not for you definitely definitely i, mean, I would promote that you yeah know? and it's only now that i'm looking back and being like you didn't need to waste that much time you know, with that instructor, you could have moved on. And another thing for me was stopping and starting. So I would go for a few months, practicing loads and doing a few lessons. And then life got in the way. I went traveling. You know, I lived abroad. I lived in cities. I didn't need to drive. Stopping and starting was a major issue for me as well. So do you think that that is up there as well with the reason why people aren't getting their license as quick as they should be? Yeah, well hugely um when you learn to drive you've got to kind of have kind of your life map kind of somewhat understood you know so there's no point to start if you know you're going to be going away for six months so to get a good strong foothold on on the whole driving aspect you need you need a good start you need a long start as in a few months three or four months 
um, into lessons, right? There could be 12, 14, 20, whatever, but just general driving. But sometimes, what you, so what you said there that you didn't really find the, the lessons really good and that you got scared on uh, on different ones. So they're all little fear bombs that make you apprehensive and not really like the driving anymore. So it, it gives you kind of validity to, to push them away and not do them at all. Do you get me? Yeah. So if it's not a good experience at the beginning, it'll be more, in, you'll be incentivized to not carry on because you think, God, I don't really like that experience. So I'm not going to go there. I'll do it next week or I'll, I'll, I'll look for someone else. Then there might be a holiday come up. So you break. And what you find is that you've done six or eight or 10 lessons and you've you've broken for two or three months and you're back to square one again when you get back in and the cycle goes on and on and on and you never progress because there's always something stopping you from from making that progress and part of it is actually not really liking the experience in the first place i think that is what happened to me as well it was kind of 50 50 where it was you know 50 percent was life but 50 percent was actually the fear of getting into a car and going out on the road and not enjoying it and not understanding certain manoeuvres or the way the car works possibly because maybe it was never explained properly in the first place. Correct. And then you get uncomfortable when you're driving, you get scared and you do make silly mistakes, Mm. which is, I'll admit to that. And it's only in recent times that that fear has kind of not fully gone away, but it's definitely decreased and I put that down to having the right right instructor and obviously I'm I'm in the one place now so I can focus on my driving I'm not abroad anymore but I put it down to having a proper instructor that explains things properly and that I'm comfortable around yeah very very important and you know the thing about where you learn to drive in the beginning, the location of where you learn to drive is very, very important. So we'd get people ringing us up from city centre or say Cork Street past there on the way in, Kevin Street. And it's it's impossible to to pick a beginner up in that location and expect them to be able to drive because there's no, it's, it's just hectic, right? And the traffic and bustle, and it's just not viable. So inexperienced instructors, I think, bring pupils to areas that they're, they're not ready for. Uh, it scares them, the, the mini trauma, because it was in, they were straight out onto the main roads before they could even know a blink. And they're not ready for that. They haven't got the foot controls. They haven't got the, the, the start, stop, the gear changing. And that's what can happen. So before you're even ready mentally, you're, you're pushed out into a situation that again scares you and puts you off from, for, for the next lesson. So sometimes meeting, you know, we would always suggest that the pupils meet us in areas, you know, that are easier for them, not us, but easier for them to feel comfortable and feel relaxed and feel stress-free. Because if you can find that location where it's really, really quiet, lovely roads like a loop or ring road where there's no traffic or very little traffic they're going to learn faster because they're calmer for the for the duration did you find that yourself when 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 you were having the lessons were you in areas that were very advanced too quick cities yeah busy roads wasn't you know with cycle lanes even and lots of traffic and i should have been brought to a quieter area as you said to start off to actually get a feeler of the car and adapt adapt to my surroundings and bit by bit you know there's beginner routes there's intermediate routes there's advanced routes once you've gone through the first two but throwing somebody out onto an area that's too advanced it's just a recipe for disaster and that's what happens and actually you know we've had pupils who, who who came in were so stressed not necessarily from different schools but so stressed because 
the instructor wasn't nice it was kind of shouting because they were making mistakes but they're making mistakes because the instructor has them in an area that it shouldn't be in the first place so who's wrong at all it's of course it's the instructor no point in shouting at somebody that's never going to work whether they're on quiet roads or busy roads it's how you present the information how how, how could we improve that anna you know so why do you think that car jumped that time anna because i came off the clutch too fast exactly you don't say don't come off that clutch. <laughs> Why did I you know. come off that clutch so fast? You know, and so, then you get all addled and you yeah, start making you think, silly mistakes. Wow, like it's a mistake, but it's not a big deal, you know. So yeah. it's 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 how you encourage mistakes. Basically, if you're if you're making a mistake, it's not a problem. You're going to make mistakes. That's the whole idea. But it's to improve and learn from how you can improve on that mistake for the next time. So, talking about instructors, then, mm. in your opinion, mm. what separates? A good instructor from a bad one. They exist in every profession, whether it's lawyers or doctors, accountants or whatever. Uh, and instructors are the same. And it's down to a number of factors, okay? It's down to how how the person has their own integrity, how they move around their own life in terms of, of uh, compassion, in terms of how they're, they're, they're understanding what's needed for that particular lesson, that particular moment. What do they put in outside of the lesson in terms of help and supports and diagrams and links to videos or what effort do they put in? You know, how much effort are they putting into the lesson? It's not just do the lesson and then go home and forget about it until the next lesson. You've got to monitor. You've got to you've got to care about that particular pupil. You know, one of the, one of the instructors that we've got, she had chronic dyslexia and chronic dyscalculia before she started training with us. Right? She came along, stuck it out, qualified, and now she's one of the best instructors that we've got because she can identify when somebody is struggling to learn. So she was able to turn her situation around and help others because she knew what it was like when you struggle. See, so you've got to know the content of, of lessons. What's on the lessons? What is the tester looking for that is going to make that tester think this girl can drive on her own and I'm impressed with how she does it. So you've got to know that you've got to have the knowledge of what a tester is looking for. You've got to give the pupil an in-depth understanding of the marking sheet and how a tester profiles your driving when on that test. It's not only about that, though. It's about looking at the weaker areas when somebody presents for a test and working on them first. So like if you're having progress issues, for, for example, let's say one instructor says you should leave it in third because there's no point to get up to fourth because you're going to stop at the end of the road. This is the classic, right? So you're getting marked for not proper use of gears. But one instructor said, no, you you actually don't need to use the fourth gear, but a tester will mark you for not. For not you see? For not so having the knowledge yeah. of, of what a tester would want to see, like progress, for example, driving at 40 in a 50 zone. So that's a progress issue on the straight observation turning left and right would be not completely you know stopping at the junction to look left or right not qualifying that it's fine and that would be in the housing estate so if you're drifting through there without stopping you're kind of probably not looking properly and that's why they're getting marks on observation so to answer your question it's the it's the the, the instructor has to know so well the construction of the test, the, the layer of the test, what's involved, how the test of things, and being able to impart that information to a pupil and make it stick. You've got to be able to make pupils believe what you're telling them is a fact. Build their confidence, tell them in simple form, look, the test is left and turns, right turns, three maneuvers. It's this, 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 this is the way they want that done. Here's a video to look at and see how it's done. You copy that. There's a video of the turnabout. So it's about knowledge, it's about putting in effort, and it's about having compassion and empathy for people and, and seeing them through to the end, you know? 
and patience? Well, patience is, is an inbuilt thing. I think that you either have it or you don't. That's it. But if if you're training in this game, you you, you have to find it very fast. <laughs> because because <laughs> else, uh, if you have that, don't do but, it. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, you can you can tell from from people who who you know would get highly strong very fast and who wouldn't be good probably in the end with, with, with becoming an instructor. So you'd have to say that to them on an interview process. How do you feel about, you know, you know your, your own stress levels and your own patience? Do you think that you've got what it takes from that point of view? If somebody stalls five or six times at a junction, will you be able to cope with that? Will you be able to, to lead them out of the junction then yourself? Or, or you know, and that's all in the qualification process of dealing with how, how to become a proper proper instructor, you know? Okay, so I want to talk to you about the pandemic. Mm. and the effect that it had on those learning to drive. Like you mentioned it a little bit earlier about not having the time to practice or not having mm. the options available like a car there or, you know, we, mm. we were restricted at one stage. We couldn't go past five kilometres. Mm. And I know that a lot of people had been sent their test dates then and they actually didn't book them because they felt like they weren't ready. So it had a major impact on people. It did. And what happened was that it just froze everything, froze everything in time, right? Test applications, driving license applications, uh, just stopped, right? As the layers of information came out about, you know, it being restrictions and we're on lockdown level, whatever one, whatever in, the, in, in 2020, it just stopped people from progressing altogether. So they just stopped, right? And what happened then was they weren't able to practice, of course, and they could have been on lesson five, lesson four, lesson six or whatever, or even lesson 12, but had their tests sent off, but still only at a very basic level. So it's only since, you know, recent times towards last year that it, it changed and everybody could get back driving everybody. But it doesn't mean that everybody necessarily got back up to the level that was needed to pass the test for, for the obvious reasons that they didn't have the insurance, they didn't have... And and the the test just kept coming quick. So the RSA give are given tests quite quickly now to candidates who say have a, are on the waiting list, or they they get onto the portal to get onto the waiting list, and then they could get a test in in four or five weeks. And we see it every day. I see it. Pupils coming in, and what I've said to pupils now is that, and they want to hire the car, they want to do a couple of lessons, and I'm saying to them, look. We'll have we'll assess your driving first. An assessment lesson is what we'll do. Um, we'll have a look, and if we think that you can you can use the car for the test, we'll tell you. If not, we'll advise you what's best at that point. Um, and I think my last five or six pupils that came in, there was no chance that they could use the car for the test because they weren't at they were such a poor level. Not not their fault. We had one guy the other day, and he came in uh, the day before his test, and we went out. And uh, it was quite dangerous. The, 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 the lesson was actually reckless. There was the level. Dangerous, right? So I said to him, look, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the test centre and I'll have a chat with you. I said, you're going to be disappointed, um, but we won't be we won't be uh, providing the car tomorrow. This is why um, the best advice for you would to be contact the RSA, push the date back. But even at that, that particular pupil is going to need six, eight hours, 10 hours to get anywhere close to passing that test and that's what's happening maybe maybe through no fault of their own or they think that okay so i've done the 12 and that's it but it's it, that's the problem you see you've got people kind of judge their own level because they think oh, i've done the 12 and i've done a bit of practice over the pandemic or whatever and i'll just go for the test and then fail it and fail two or three times you know 
We have a, a doctor in, in, in one of the hospitals that's failed four tests in seven weeks. Just can't get practice, can't get, and does the same thing, reapplies, doesn't train, then he gets a date, then he contacts us the day before, and it's a cycle and the same thing happening again and again. So that's another example of what's going on and what's happening there. So it'll take a while for that phase to, to pass, um, but the pandemic, that's the, that's where we're at now. So the phase we're at now and the level that we're at now is as a result of that two years where people were cut off, basically, or a year and a half cut off. Now, the essential workers were fine, but cut off from the practice channel, right? Um, and and then getting the dates or not getting enough practice and then arriving. All, all schools, all instructors will tell you the exact same thing. They're arriving for the test and it's horrifying. <laughs> you know and that's just but it's not their fault so they've got to retrain again and they've got to take advice uh, you know but and it's it's not going to get any any better until until people think differently about how many lessons do i need mm. it should be how many lessons is it going to be before i can pass a test or how many hours is it going to be before i can pass rather than i need to do 12 and then that's it. That's like a, it's like an attachment to something that they think, oh, 12 hours is my target. I'm only willing to spend that and I go for the test and it's, it's, it's never working, you know. And I feel like people get, I can only speak from my personal experience, but I feel like when you do the 12 and you're still not ready, your brain is, is kind of like, why am I not ready? You know, I should be ready. And you put yourself under pressure then to be ready. Now I have done countless hours mm. I don't even know how many lessons I have done no but that's good I mean you're at but least but it's way more than 12 <laughs> yeah well but but you see how did you feel when so the 12 lessons for you then was a representative number of the lessons that you felt you need to pass the test exactly. was that it so that's wrong you see that's the message is, is not correct that you know instructors or schools or even the RSA should be giving out right? The 12 is the mandatory course, beginner course, but that's not what it takes to pass the test. You need experience on the road. You need to be dealing with hazard perception. You need to improve your, your handling skills while you're doing all that. Like, And that takes time, you know, it takes time. You get, you get fast beginners, you get slow beginners. And what I mean by that is you get somebody who will be out on the roads after six or seven hours. And then you get somebody who you can't go on the road even after 12, it's that bad, right? So that's not their fault. Some, like school, we pick things up, you know, 30 students in a class, three or four really brain boxes, and the rest are kind of average. But they're still supposed to learn the same information, but one, you know, four can pick it up really quick and the rest can't. Driving is the same. But driving is a complex skill, you know? And it's different for everyone. Yeah, exactly. So you can't say that 12 lessons is going to be right for everybody. It'll be, it could be 36 for you. It could be 46 or something. Else. It could be 10 for somebody who's who's driving for years on the farm or whatever, you know, who've got, who've got an idea. So it's case by case. And that's what's happening. And I think that if we looked at, if, if the public and parents looked at the idea that, look, this is just a beginner course. Whatever has to be done has to be done. Like you do it if you're third level or you're you're in college. You you do what you have to do to get the to get, to get the results. I mean, you couldn't put twelve hours study into to do a nursing degree and expect yeah I'm grand after twelve hours. Do you know? Yeah. You'd need to do that full four years to get the degree. So it's very much. I think the attitude has to change a bit about how many you know how many hours it's taken for me to get driving and i i you know we've all got a responsibility in that in, in changing people's mindsets as to look forget about 12 that's a beginner course be prepared to spend a few bob even if you spend a thousand fifteen hundred you know it's it's an investment in your life and, and and your future for for your life you know yeah well it's a life scale i mean yeah 
And it's yeah. it's very useful, especially if you live in a rural area. Yeah. And or so you, any area really, but especially if you don't have the public transport options there. But look at your, your your own case, right? So you can't so nobody knew on the first lesson it was going to take you forty or fifty hours. You didn't know that either. It could have taken you twelve, but you don't know that. Like I wouldn't know that when I have somebody in the beginning, but you can see very fast who can take information and process it very quick and who can't, who can't cope with all that instruction. And that's another thing down down to the quality of the instruction. You can't bombard verbal information down onto somebody and they're trying to check the mirror and signal and change the gear and it'll break down. So you give them little pieces each, you know, to, to help them understand about processing what did he say, how did he say it? Check the mirror. I can do that. Off the gas. I can do that. Down with the clutch. So one at a time, rather than too much bombardment where you, it'll break down on you, you know? And Kevin, I want to ask you about the dangers of driving unaccompanied. Yeah. So so the laws have come down hard on that. And the Clancy Amendment Act was brought in, um, as you know, from Mr. Clancy and his family, God rest them. And I just think that Nobody really intends on on harming anybody, but I think that it has to be more serious than than seriously thought about than it actually is. So it's improved, right? It's improved. But if you go to any of the test centers there today or whenever, you will see who arrives on their own and who who leaves on their own. You know, still, right? Um, and that's the, the the issue that that you've got. It, it, you know, you you might get away with it. And you might think you're fooling people, but when a situation arises like arose for, for the Clancy's, then it's then you're in you're in you know, bother and you're in trouble, right? I don't think I think that it was being enforced a lot more before uh, COVID, before lockdown. I think there was a number of cars that were seized. You might have figures on that that were seized down in Kildare. I think it was the highest amount of cars seized for for being, driving alone. Uh, Dublin was was second, I think. So. Some of the consequences of that are, well, it's penalty points. It's three penalty points for, for driving on a company, and it's a 120 20 euro fine. But I don't, uh, I think that that's, that's, that's mild. I think that's mild enough. I think that, of course, people have a, have a right to be able to get to work and so on. But I Do mean. Do you think it should be higher? I think it should be, yeah. I think it should be. I think it should be five points. There'd be a higher fine as well. But again, would that stop? Would that stop it happening? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that, you know, we have a, a thing in our minds that we're we have a right and entitlement to be on the road if we if we've paid for our car and if we've we've paid our insurance, you know. And it's a condition of the insurance, actually. It's not the guards really look, the guards are the guards, they have their job to do, right? But it's the legal requirement on this as well. Pupils don't realise that the small print of the actual insurance policy will state that you have to be accompanied by a full licensed driver that has the license for two years. So if there was an accident and somebody's car was written off, the opposition's argument will be, well, hang on, they didn't have a driver with them, so we're not paying. We're not paying up. Do you get me? Mm-hmm. So that's a, an issue that people don't even think about, that, that that's the problem, not the guards. They, you know, younger people are thinking, oh, the guards, the guards are stopping to get. That's the guards, but the, it's actually the technical insurance policy is void if you're if you don't have somebody with you, like, and it's happening more and more. You know, I don't think you'll ever you'll ever stop it, but I think that it's 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 not talked about enough. It's not in the public domain. Back into the public domain again as much as it should be. You know, absolutely. The yeah, the dangers of it aren't highlighted as much as they should be. Finally, some tips. You get your test date. Yeah. Can you give me any tips on how to pass the test, or is it just up to each individual driver? Well, 
you would have been getting a lot of structured information on your lessons, right? About how it works. So what we do in Ladybird is we explain to you that, look, this is what's gonna happen on the day. You're gonna get a phone call. It's gonna ask you to come in. You're gonna get questions on the rules of the road. You're gonna get signs. He's gonna ask you the signs or she. You'll go to the car, lift the bonnet. It'll be the under the bonnet checks. He checks the brakes and indicators, make sure they're working and then gets into the car for the secondary controls, all right? Now, the trick with the driving test is that you've got 30 minutes to sell it to that tester that this is how I'm going to drive when I'm on my own. You've paid 85 euro for them to sit with you for that privilege, right? So you've asked them to sit with you on that test. They then think to themselves, okay, show me what you can do and I'll give you the license if it's good enough. You've got to know the marking sheet. You've got to know what the tester doesn't like, what they do like. And we break it down junction by junction like the tester does, right? So you come along to a junction and the tester says to you, now I'd like you to take the next turning on the right. There's four things that tester needs to see after that request. First one, did you check your mirrors and did you signal? Second. Third one, they're looking at your position. What's her position like at that junction? Fourth is, did she take proper observation at that junction? So when you leave that junction, that tester is happy and hasn't marked you. And it's the same with the next junction. And it's the same with the next and next. So they're profiling your driving each, like, it's like a jigsaw piece. Each junction is like a jigsaw piece that has mirrors, signal position, observation. And that's it, around 80% of the test. You're taking left and right turns when you think about it. From the time you leave the test center to the time you get back, they've had to have told you to go left or right or round or roundabout. The rest of it then is understanding how the maneuvers are to be achieved in the housing estate and how many times like you're going to look over the right shoulder, which is five times, right? So when you give people the facts that it's five times you're going to look over your right shoulder on the driving test, and these are when. This is what they want to see you do on the reverse. This is what they want to see you do on the turnabout. And when you start to develop that in your lesson and on your lessons, you're then developing a, a, a way that the tester feels, yeah, God, she's very good. Because you're doing the right thing, you're stopping in the right gear, you're in the right position, you're dealing with that hazard up ahead. When you've got to risk assess, every time you turn left or turn right into a new road, you're assessing what's the problems I've got here. How am I going to deal with that bike? What if that truck pulls out you're already ahead of that by pre-planning it so it's, it's it's hazard perception it's called right and and pre-planning what if that car door opens it looks like that person has stopped what if the pedestrian steps down so everywhere you drive you think the opposite because it's going to change light is red what if it goes green if it's green what if it goes red so you always think the opposite when you're driving and be ready for it because one day it will you know so that's all built into lessons and 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 to answer your question then knowing the layout what's going to happen on the test from the lessons is crucial and that's that you're, you're trying to show confidence to the test so i know what you're looking for have a look at my driving and give me the license thanks a million Hope for joining us today on the a ireland podcast thanks anna well, Anna, a lot can be learned from that chat with Kevin. The part that stood out for me was the advice Kevin gave on choosing your driving instructor carefully, which is obviously very sound advice. Learning to drive is a huge part of many people's lives. So you have to get that step right and ensure you get your full license as quickly, but as safely as possible. Absolutely, Paddy. I mean, it is so important to get that step right. As I mentioned, I had difficulty when I was selecting my driving instructor. So it is vital that you're comfortable around them. So that was my discussion with Kevin about learning to drive. 
We hope that you found this useful and you will find more on this topic over on the AA blog, www.theaa.ie forward slash blog. And you will, of course, find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook and TikTok. And that's right. Anna has written extensively across our AA blog and across our social media platforms on this subject. So there's plenty to get your teeth into. So do please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And until next time, goodbye and stay safe.